0: Greetings. You are listening to the worship service broadcasted first on August the 16th, 2020 at Springfield Church of the Brethren. We always record our worship in two different ways, at least currently. We are live streaming it, which puts a recording up on YouTube immediately, and we are making a copy of an audio file that we then mail out to our members who may not be watching it online, and we also put up on the podcast. This week, for some reason or another, the special music did not come out very well, so it has been removed from the audio-only version. If you wish to listen to it, you can find it online at our website or on YouTube. I hope you still find... God's presence in this worship. Blessings on you this week. Good morning, and welcome to worship here at Springfield Church of the Brethren. I don't even remember what the date is. It is August the 16th, you're right. Happy August. (laughs) I'm so glad you could all be here today. Um, A couple of announcements. First off, thank you to everyone who joined us last night for the hymn sing outside. We had, I think about 18 people join with the musicians and myself, that was 22 people. I had a lot of fun, I hope you did too. I really enjoyed the singing, I really did. Um, And I managed to do all that speaking without blowing my voice out for today, so we're doing good. Um, We have had a bit of a change with the, Prayer chain, Pat is getting ready for her surgery that's upcoming um, and has decided to step back from her position as the contact point to begin the uh, prayer chain messages going through. We are looking for someone to help fill in that role. For the time being, Becky, Eby, and myself Um, are are the contact points. So if you have any prayer concerns, you can call the office during office hours, call me, or you could check out the, we made a single email that you can email if you have one you want to put through that way that both Becky and I are checking regularly. It's um, springfieldprayers at gmail.com. And I believe that's in today's... I'm just now looking at it to see if it made it in. If it's not in here, it will be in the next one because this is kind of something that all happened at the end of the week. Um, It's in there, there? awesome. So you can email that. Becky and I check that regularly and when we have a third person who will act as the general contact point, they will be able to access that as well. This does mean that when we send out emails it will be coming from this one I have sent out to this week it's same prayer chain that we have always used the same list so if you have not gotten any emails from the prayer chain um, check your spam folder make sure it's not in there and make sure you tell your email to start accepting those um, so just want to let you know that um, Bible study, Tuesday, seven o'clock on Zoom. Love to have you. The Kids Closet continues to open each Saturday. Um, Did we have anybody this week? We did not. We did not, okay. I didn't see anyone signed up. I saw we had at least one person signed up for next week. week If you know anyone who might be in need of clothing, it's for school-aged children. let them know. We have links to the sign up page right on our website. They can call the office if they need help finding it. It's also been sent out in email. So if you have email, uh, check out in there. There's a link right there that you can give anybody in order to go on and sign up to come in. We are continuing to open it every Saturday right now. Oh, last but not least on this list, I wanted to make sure that I said um, Acme has started their community cashback program. So if you're shopping at Acme, check your receipts. Are there any other announcements? Are there any joys or concerns you wish to share with the community today? Prayers for Duane's co worker, Jeff, who has pneumonia, and you said in one lung right now, um, and continues to struggle with that. So, prayers for our brother Doran, who, yes, he, it did go out on the prayer chain, um, who is in the hospital in Medina right now with pneumonia. Um, however, his COVID 19 test did come back negative. Have a note? Some out. of you might have known uh, Dorothy Hayes from the Eastwood Church. She passed away, and her service will be tomorrow at Newcomer. At Newcomer? So prayers for the Hayes family Dorothy from Eastwood passed away um, and services will be held at Newcomers tomorrow. I yeah, think my sister she covid she, she's and she, went to Georgia and she COVID. What's her name? She had I heard So she some tests for that she should be on, on the day. Sorry her name is Jan. And this went out on the prayer chain as well, I believe. Um, She's a teacher down in Georgia, um, and she's in the hospital for COVID. I think I saw, Yes. What's your niece's name? My niece's name is Megan Cheese. Megan, okay. And then for our sister Bev. So prayers for Janice's niece, Megan, who may have come into contact or may have, well, she's waiting on the test for COVID 19 after coming into contact. And prayers for our sister Bev, who's not feeling well today. So prayers for Gail's family, her nephew um, passed away somewhat unexpectedly, um, and also traveling mercies for Gail as she travels to see the grandkids. Let's face it, it's the grandkid she's going to see. If She sees her son, that's good too, right? If there are no others, if you will enter into this time of worship as we listen to Bev's music. If you'll pray with me. Yay. Prayer is fun. Our God is an awesome God. He reigns from heaven above with wisdom, power, and love. Our God is an awesome God. How appropriate it is that we come to worship you hearing the melody of that tune. We thank you that we are able to do this and that you are the awesome God you are. We raise up to you our brothers and sisters, those in the hospital in need of comfort and presence and healing, those at home who also need that comfort presence, and healing, we lift up Jeff, our brother Doran, Janet, and Megan. We lift up, especially today, the Hayes family at our sister church over in Eastwood, as they mourn the loss of a sister. We ask for presence with Gail as she travels on the roads to see family, along with all those who share the road with her. We lift up our sister Bev and pray that she feels better soon. we thank you that we are here together, that we get to celebrate life, to celebrate your glory and power, to celebrate birthdays, to celebrate little voices, to celebrate singing voices, to celebrate talking voices. We pray that you are made to be felt in our coming week. And we pray that we are open to feeling your presence. Amen. So if you've been in our Bible study, we're kind of caught up to right where this is happening. Paul has just taken his first trip. He has visited Cyprus and Lystra up into what we now think of Turkey, And the church is growing in leaps and bounds as Gentiles join the church. Now, as we enter Acts 15, and I'm going to be reading 13 through 22 and 30 through 32 instead of the entire chapter, which I would love to do. As we're coming into here, there's a group of Jewish Christians who are pushing and saying, in order to be a member of the church, you must be circumcised and you must follow the rules of the Torah. Of course, there are others pushing back against this, including Peter and Paul and Barnabas. They have come to a council. With all the disciples that, or the apostles who are able to be gathered standing there talking. Well, probably sitting and talking about this. Peter stands up and gives a speech. Paul and Barnabas get up and talk about their ministry. Finally, James, the brother of Jesus, begins to speak. Starting with verse 13. When they finished, James spoke up. Brothers, listen to me he said. Simon, Peter, has described to us how God's first intervened to choose a people for his name from the Gentiles. The words of the prophet are in agreement with this. As it is written, after this I will rebuild, return and rebuild David's fallen tent. Its ruins I will rebuild and I will restore it That the rest of mankind may seek the Lord, even all the Gentiles who bear my name, says the Lord who does these things, these things known from long ago. It is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Instead, we should write to them, telling them to abstain from polluted foods, Foods polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, and from meat that has been strangled from animals, meat, animal, meat of strangled animals, and from blood. For the law of Moses has been preached in every city from the earliest times, and is in the synagogues of every Sabbath. They then wrote a letter and sent it out with Paul and Barnabas and others starting with verse 22. Then the apostles and the elders, with the whole church, decided to choose some of their own men and send them to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. They chose Judas, also called Barsabbas and Silas, who were among the leaders, among, among the leaders of the believers. So the men were sent off and went down into Antioch, where they gathered the church together and delivered the letter. The people read it and were glad for its encouraging message. Judas and Silas themselves were prophets, so much was said to encourage and strengthen the believers. Blessed is the word of God. There is a holy ground in Carlisle, Pennsylvania. There really is. Nothing to get said about. At least. I'm not saying this because I'm a Pennsylvanian. I actually have no real connection to Carlisle, though it is a beautiful little town. But if you are a fan of football, there is a holy ground in Carlisle, Pennsylvania. It was there that a group of students of a boarding school reshaped the game of football. Before then, the game had relied only on brute strength. After them, it became an elegant game that balances strength, strategy, speed, and skill. Originally, what was then football, by their standards, was already being played in places like Dartmouth, Harvard, and Yale. The idea of that sport was for young men to show off their strength and courage. But there was a problem for these young players in Carlisle. They were smaller than their opponents. So they had to play the game to their own strengths. They didn't cheat, but their coach was really good at knowing what was technically allowed and what technically was was allowed. So while their opponents were bigger, stronger, more powerful, they played with speed, finesse, skill, but their opponents were still more powerful. And not only that they were, as I said, physically more powerful, they also controlled the refs and the rule book and changed it whenever the Carlisle players came up with something new. Even so, if it wasn't for these Carlisle players, we wouldn't have the spiral pass, handoffs, or the trick play. It fascinates me that these players themselves so massively changed the sport by being who they are. By the end of their 25 years of playing, Carlisle not only, well, the Carlisle had the highest winning percentage of any team in the sport. Even today, nearly a century later. Of all the defunct teams, they are still the winningest ever to have existed. They did it with what they had, speed, control, finesse, in rejecting what everyone thought the game should be like. While they were reforming this game in their own image, though, they themselves were being stripped of what made them unique. You see, it was the Carlisle Indian School a place where young Native American boys and girls were taken from their families, had their hair cut, their clothes changed, and their languages stripped away. They were being made more like white Americans and not their ancestors. This isn't anything new, really. I mean, it's happened. We know the history. It's happened with Native Americans and African Americans. It's even happened to us. Our ancestors, the Pennsylvania Dutch, the English called us the dumb Dutch and did their best to eradicate the Pennsylvania Dutch language. The fact that we're standing in a sanctuary that looks like us, this kind of proves their process worked. They made us more like them. Lost my place there is so often a pull by those in charge to help those on the outside become more like them. Those who are different, they want them to conform. Sometimes it's the small things, like worshiping in a different space or singing certain hymns. Sometimes it means stripping away a culture completely. In trying to make a person sound and act as if they were part of the dominant culture. There are two scientific laws happening in this space. I just realized I'm jumping from science to football. They go together. First is Newton's first law of motion. This one you probably all heard of. An object at motion or at rest will tend to stay at that motion or rest until an outside force acts upon it. If I put a ball in the middle of the aisle here, the only two things that could happen is, well, it'll stay there as long as I don't enact force by, say, kicking it or the floor became uneven and gravity pulled it. That's a pretty simple one. The second one is the law of thermo, the second law of thermodynamics, which extremely paraphrased is, in a closed system, entropy or disorder will remain at a constant or increase so long as the processes cannot be reversed or act on, or be acted on by a force outside the system. I have to tell you I watched a lot of videos to get this down. Here's what I came up with. If I took this, ma- this pail of marbles and I were to pour it on the floor, the marbles would bounce everywhere and roll all over the place. That's what we would expect, right? I'm not gonna really dump any marbles on the floor, so don't worry, we're not picking up marbles, it's just a pail. Okay, while they're in that closed system, or closed of the pail, everything is held in order. It's controlled. Now there's only two things that can happen. They can either stay in the pail and remain at that same level of order, or I can dump them out and it will introduce more disorder. That's how I came to understand that. Because chances are, if I pour it out and it hit the stairway right here, the marbles are going to bounce everywhere. They're not going to stay in one nice little controlled bucket-shaped clump right there. I mean, it's highly improbable. In a nutshell, basically, when given the chance, things will always move into greater levels of chaos greater levels of disorder. And the only way to change it is for an outside force to come in and reorder things. So that would be me going to pick up all the said marbles. I have a friend and a classmate who's a PhD in physics. And Taman, I'm sorry, I know I butchered all this. I believe these two laws apply to humans, not just simply because we're physical masses and therefore you know, the laws of nature apply to us, but they govern us socially as well. We see it in today's scripture, not to mention what I was talking earlier about the Carlisle players. For those in the dominant culture, such as the Jews in the early church, it's hard to move away from the rules. You rather just keep on keeping on. You want to eat the things that you are supposed to eat, touch what you're allowed to touch, Uh, Work the way you're supposed to work, and especially important at that time, be marked with circumcision, the mark of Abraham's covenant with God. The Jewish Christians, or rather the circumcised Christians, want to keep on going with this. They aren't fans of change. They don't like this outside force pushing on them, making them go a different way. Forces like Peter and Paul and the Gentiles they're welcoming into the church. This leads to that second law of thermodynamics. In a system they thought they had built was like this pail, small, tight. It could be made to be bigger, but it would still be just big enough to fit the marbles in it. That's what they thought. They had the rules of the Torah, keeping everything nicely compact. You became a Christian, but you also became Jewish in doing so. But that wasn't the plan of the church. The church was a lot bigger, a pale, and all the marbles as they went in bounced around and moved all over the place. Chaos grew, disorder grew, And they didn't like that. They wanted to put on their outside force. They wanted to force everybody back into the rules before the chaos became endemic. We actually see this back in that football story. As Carlisle continued to rack up wins, this became really upsetting for people. After all, the people they were beating again and again were the cream of American youth. And these Native American young men from a backwater, non-Ivy school were winning way too much. And they were doing it. So football changed. They didn't do it by accepting Carlisle's way of play. They didn't become better control. They didn't speed up. They didn't add the nests. No, they doubled down on power. That's what they had. They doubled down on it. It became so bad that in 1905, Teddy Roosevelt himself stepped in. He was president at this time. That's how bad it got. This is Teddy, the Rough Rider. The hunter, the big game hunter who would travel around the world, pushing himself. Perhaps the toughest man to ever sit in the White House. And he thought the game was too violent. Of course, 19 young men had died that year. Even his own son had been badly injured. The game greatly transformed But it wasn't Teddy whose impact completely rewrote the game. It was Pop Warner, the Carlisle coach, again coming in and changing things. He figured out that if you spiral a football as you throw it, it goes farther, faster, and better controlled. So he made it into a passing game. Up until this point, you never passed. It was a bad idea. It was basically a rugby ball. If you've thrown a rugby ball, it's hard. It's a big ball. Even so, it didn't help Albert Exedine, an Arapaho and a Carlisle's best receiver. He couldn't do anything because as soon as the game started and he stepped off the line of scrimmage, he was knocked to the ground and knocked out of bounds, which was still legal in those days. I, my understanding is and I'm hoping I get at least one nod from a football fan. You can't hit the receiver if they don't have the ball, right? Okay, I got a couple nods. That's now illegal. Back then, it wasn't, but he had an idea. 1907, last game of season against Chicago, the toughest team in all of America at that time. He got knocked out of bounds, so he ran behind the benches underneath the bleachers, down to the under end of the field, and then back onto it. And then he caught the winning touchdown. The bleachers exploded. And after that, it became a passing game. Actually, after that, they made a new rule. You couldn't run out of bounds and then back onto the field. Although you were still allowed to squash receivers for a few years. Change is hard and scary. Chaos has to be controlled. Even the little things are hard. One week, but completely by accident, I sh- switched where my garbage and my recycling cans are outside. I kept having to fish things back out. I should change it right back. It's even worse when it's something out of your control, like when they rearrange a grocery store. That's terrible change. Big changes are even harder, especially when they have to deal with our faith. I'm not saying our faith in God, but the faith that we construct around that. You see, yeah, God remains the same, but how we humans interact with God, that changes all the time. We form these comfortable grooves. In our minds, these comfortable grooves are not nearly our way to God, but the way to God. Instead of having one giant pail of Christian marbles all moving about freely and chaotically and wonderfully, we have a whole bunch of small pails sitting in that big one. In the end, it seems like those Jewish Christian Pharisees one. I get it. There's danger to entropy, to chaos. Eventually, you lose distinction within it. All things look the same. Eventually, you lose the ability to harness that energy and put it to good work. I mean, you think about it as the marbles bounce around. They have energy for a while, but then they just stop moving. Eventually, they're just a bunch of glass beads lying about on the floor. But that doesn't really happen for the church. We always fear it's going to, but it never does. Because whether the church is tightly held in that pail, or all spread out in that giant, beautiful, universal church... Those marbles will always be acted on by the outside forces of the world and by the Holy Spirit moving within them. The world and God never stop moving. James, the brother of Jesus, doesn't get a lot of space in the Bible. This is about his biggest moment, and it's really quite a shame because he seems to have gotten at least a share of his brother's wisdom. He tells the Gentiles, stay away from idols and anything that worships them, for they will lead you to worship the the world and not the Lord. Keep the commitments you have made with your spouses holy, for they are your partners in all things. Lastly, keep the most basic of the food rules from this law, because in doing so, you will be able to sit at the table with your brothers and sisters, whether they are Gentile or Jewish. This adds only three more rules to the three basic rules that the church already has. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Love your neighbor as yourself and treat them as you wish to be treated. Repent, trust, and follow Jesus and his teachings, the God incarnate. I don't know about you, but if I'm going to be living in a pale with rules keeping me in on one side, that sounds like a great set of rules to live within. One that allows freedom and chaos, unity, and individuality. Now, I'm saying all this as the collective Christians, not necessarily individuals within this congregation, but within the large church and within the world as citizens and members of this planet. We like rules for the most part. Their walls. They keep out the wild weather and dangerous beasts. They give order to chaos, and we don't like chaos. We don't like change. It moves the landscape of our world, and we can't get where we want to go as easily as we want to get there. But we have grasped them so hard, those rules, that we have broken the basic rules of the church. For we have served food at the table, and some cannot eat it. We have said that staying in the relationship is more important than whether the commitment is faithful and true. We have said that these rules are the most important thing. In doing so, we have set them up as idols and worshipped them. It is true, some rules cannot be broken, but they're the rules of God, and the rules God has set in place, like Newton's first law. But rules made by humans are like humans, prone to error, prone to mistakes. It's this reason that, despite the fact I'm not a great watcher of football. I really love the story of the Carlisle Indian School football team and Pop Warner. Despite the fact, or sorry, it shows that human rules can be changed and make for a better game more fair and more fun. Now we have to think about all those other rules that we have put up. The ones that try to keep the world in the shape we think it should be in. Are they our rules? Is it our shape? Or is it the shape that God calls it to be? Do we put our trust in our rules? Or God's way? Thank you. As you go out today, recognize that you are a object in this world, moving about. Don't be afraid to feel the force of God pushing you. And don't be afraid to go where you are being pushed. God might be pushing you out of the pale and into the wide world, to do a whole lot of good. Blessings on all of you, and may you have a wonderful week. Amen.